There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir. They have the car stopped in We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, retired NYPD homicide sergeant, 27-year veteran. As you can see, I'm in some new digs here. I know you don't recognize the background. I'm in Jupiter, Florida. This is actually my second live show from Jupiter, Florida, but with a different uh, background. So I hope you guys can get used to it, you know, get all freaked out. Yes, this is my Florida digs today. You know, one of the biggest cases that I think we were all waiting to hear the results of was the Delphi case. And of course, that's the murder of uh, Abby Williams and Libby German. At the time, five and a half years ago, 13 and 14 years old, respectively. A horrible, horrible case. We, as the public, didn't know if this case would ever be solved. And, you know, people always question the police, or what is the competence level? How could they not solve this case? This case has audio and it has video. How hard could it be? You know, well, the answer to that, very hard. It was a very, very difficult case to solve. And despite the fact, you see the still picture on the left, that there was a still taken from video uh, from Libby German's cell phone, which she had the I don't know, what do you call it? In the Hebrew, they call it chutzpah, to videotape this potential killer on her videotape, to tape, I'm dating myself, on her cell phone. And that became some the most important evidence I believe this case has. We were all so excited when we it was announced October 28th that there was an arrest in this case. Amazing, right? A, a, an individual named Richard Allen, who actually lives in Delphi, Indiana, was arrested for the murder of uh, Libby and Abby. Uh, a lot of other details are not forthcoming because the police in this case, and I really take my hat off to them, they've kept almost all the information close to the best. The press is really pushing hard now because uh, if you know anything about freedom of information law, they're entitled to certain things. And one of the things they're pushing hard to get is the probable cause warrant, which will name the charges and name the probable cause. For you guys that don't know, the word and the term probable cause is thrown around a lot. What it means is Facts and circumstances that lead a reasonable person to believe that a crime has been committed and the person arrested has committed that crime. Not the highest bar. It's probable cause is a standard necessary to make an arrest. And that's what they did this Friday. They made an arrest. I want to give a little um, input in regards to the detectives and the investigators and how difficult of a job that they had. And how, you know, many people don't understand that 
from day one, this case was was really a whodunit. And we, you would have to use every bit of the art of investigation and the science investigation to find out who committed this heinous, heinous crime. A couple of weeks after this occurred, uh, a Sergeant Jerry Holman, who's the lead investigator in this case, was interviewed by the press. And just think of this, this was five and a half years ago. And I wanna just play a little bit of this because it's really telling about where they were at that point and the confidence they had to, to make an arrest and all the resources they were gonna put into this in order to, to make an arrest. Uh, just an incredible, you know, to look back, just incredible. And I'm going to play again, play a little bit of this. Back on day one, what was your, you know, when you heard this had happened? Back on day one, what was your, you know, when you heard this had happened and you knew you had a call to duty to, to, to more or less take over? Right. First, you know, I called all the, I called my squad sergeant and told him to get all the detectives available up here because we knew it was going to be a long drawn out process. But I think like everybody else, shock and all. I mean, you really don't expect something like this, this uh, tragic of an event to happen in a small town like Delphi. And I think it took a while to set in and then it was just total chaos. I mean, the investigation with all the help that we got was just total chaos. And we were able to get that to controlled chaos. Uh, and then I, I joke around about becoming an oiled machine. And now I think it's a well-oiled machine where it's very manageable and, and we're making a lot of progress. But yeah, it's just pretty pretty traumatic for everybody involved, not just the community, but every investigator that's been up here. Um, but I think we we all have a job to do. We all focus, we're very professional and, and we're gonna find who, who's responsible for this and make sure that we get just, justice for Abby and Libby. I mean, Abigail Williams and Liberty German did not deserve this. And I think my passion is getting justice for them and their families and the community. People often forget that officers and detectives are real people as well. And emotionally, this is difficult for everybody involved. Absolutely. And, and I just I, I kind of led to that. But uh, and the other thing is, you know, life doesn't stop. We try to put it on hold when you when you have a major case like this. You try to put life on hold, but it doesn't stop. I mean, we have detectives up here that have had their own deaths in their families, their own sickness, their kids are sick, they're planning weddings, uh, just everyday stresses. And you can't, you can't stop that. You can't put it on hold. Uh, you might be able to for a day or two, but with, with this type of investigation and, and it being month, two months, three months, hopefully not any, you know, years, but uh, you can't put that on hold. So, you, you know, folks, just so you know, this was recorded about two months after the occurrence. So the Occurrence was February 13th, 2017. This was recorded April 25th, 2017. Now he's talking about, you know, this not lasting so long, but again, we know now it lasted for five and a half years. You have to deal with those stresses. You have to find a way to do it. And I think for me, what makes it easy is the people I'm working with and working for. And, and, and so it's it's been, a little easier to handle that stress when you have the backing and you work with such great people. Are there times where you just kind of have to break down sometimes and and deal with what's going on? I think so. I, I think it's impossible to to control those. This is a very emotional case. I think it's it's impossible to. Uh, the hardest thing as a manager 
and for me personally, is to take time time off. Um, you know, I preach it. Hey, don't work this weekend. You know, especially early on, we were working twenty hours a day. You know, seven days a week for the first couple of weeks. It's impossible to not take this kind of a case home with you. You know, we preach that. We're taught that in the academy. Don't take your job home with you, but it's impossible. So for me, early on to take take a day off, uh, I would sit at home and think about, you know, what can we do to get justice for Abby and Liberty? What what have we done that we could go back and do better? And the detectives are the same way. Everybody that I talk to, once you get here for a day, you're invested. And it's hard to it's hard to separate from that. And that's a raw emotions. I mean, it's tough, but uh, you know, we're trained professionals, like I said earlier, and we just have to know that that the end is coming and that the only end for us is get you justice for Abby and Libby. You know, folks, it's amazing that even on April 25th, 2017, he was talking about how they were going to make an arrest in this. There was no doubt that they were going to make an arrest in this. I've had cases that I did bring home with me, and they say, of course, don't bring the case home. It's impossible not to. Anyone that's ever investigated a murder the human element in it is so powerful that you'd have to be uh, a robot not to feel the pain that the relatives feel, not to feel the pain or the empathy for these two little girls and the fear that these two little girls must have felt when they were marched down that hill. And the bravery that Libby German had to, to video this on her phone, just unbelievable. I can really um, feel and um, just relate to Sergeant Jerry Holman. And he's running this investigation. I ran many homicide investigations also. And going home and not bringing it home with you, it's not an option. In this case, I've never seen as many resources thrown at a case like this from the FBI, the state police, DNR. Uh, Indiana Department of Homeland Security, everybody, every every resource that we can think of that is available has been used. When you have to sit down with the family, you know, what keeps you going strong through that? It's tough. It really is. I mean, I'm I'm probably most people that you talk to about me would say I'm not very emotional, um, but this is this has got me uh, very emotional, and it, it, you have to take a take a a, a step back and really appreciate life for what it is. But, but to answer your question, uh, when you're talking to the family, you know, like I said, I can't imagine I try, I, I am that type of person where I try to put myself in your shoes when you're in a tough situation, but. I you know, folks, people would always ask me, how did I deal with working in homicide? And one of the things I always said was I have a good family and I could go home to my family and lead a normal life and know that I had stability. I also exercised like crazy because that was something not just physically, but mentally it kept me sane. And I don't know if Sergeant Jerry Holman uses the same techniques, but he seems like one hell of a guy. And I, I, I've had really high profile cases, difficult cases. None of them ever, ever lasted for five years. I can't even get close close to doing that because you can't imagine what they're going through and even talking to them and you can see the the raw emotions on their face and they, and they want to help us and they have they've been so cooperative 
And, you know, we've, we went back to them and talked to them numerous times. And I know that probably gets frustrating, um, but they have been so cooperative with us and so patient with us because this is a, a, a high profile case. We don't want to rush into anything. So we are going to take our time, dot our I's and cross our T's and make sure everything is done uh, as close to perfect as possible. I just try to maintain that professionalism and, and keep in the back of my head that I need to be here for Abby and Libby because I'm going to, I'm going to find who did this. And then we are going to hold them responsible for their act. Pretty amazing guys. And I, as I told you, that was um, April of 2017, two months after the occurrence. And he's saying, we are going to catch the person that did this or personal persons that did this. There is no doubt. And with confidence, with pure confidence, he said it. And, you know, he's not a uh, mind reader, but he knew that they were going to put so much into this. There was no way. And look how long it took. It took five and a half years. They never gave up. They never gave up. And that's a credit uh, to this department. When you walk through those front doors and you see the notes up on the boards, the the, the community outpouring, um, you know, it's not just officers, but everybody who's come through here to, to support you guys say, hey, do you need something? What's yeah. that like? Yeah, it just gave me goosebumps again. I mean, I've never had this much support. You know, usually law enforcement's on the other side of it, you know, and we're not uh, respected or treated like kings and queens. And uh, uh, the community has just been tremendous. I mean, I, I can't even begin to to tell you how grateful we are for what they've done. Uh, it just shows that the, the community cares about us and we care about them and, and we're going to continue to, to work with them, not just Delphi, but Carroll County and uh, the, the surrounding um, counties and cities. You know, they've just been so helpful. I know you can't predict the future, but are we gonna get this guy one day? Absolutely. I don't make promises that I can't keep and the only promise I can make is we're going to put forth every effort and we're going to utilize every resource that's available, but we're going to catch this person or persons. We're going to catch this monster. Whoever did this needs, needs to be put away and, and we're going, we're not going to stop until we. You know, there's been so many people that have spoken about this case, um, law enforcement from all over the world. And one of the things we, we talk about is um, geographical profiling. And in this case, I believe that uh, there was no doubt that this person, maybe not, uh, maybe I couldn't say he lived in uh, Delphi, but he lived in the vicinity because he knew the area so well. Look at this. It turned out that he lived in Delphi. I mean, that gives you a geographical profiling, gives you a pool of suspects and it definitely helps in the investigation. Find out and find this person and make this person accountable for his actions. You guys said I have over 16,000 tips. I mean, that's a daunting number. Um, what's it like to see the outpouring of, of people who think they might know something? Yeah, I mean, again, it's a, it shows that the community cares. And these are nationwide tips. We're getting tips that we're utilizing the FBI because we can't drive to Missouri or wherever and we're utilizing 
uh, the the post throughout the state because we, you know, it's too time consuming to drive all the way to Evansville. We just call a detective down there. But so we're getting tips, not just from Carroll County or Delphi. We're getting tips from across the nation. I know we've said it multiple times in press conferences. We've said it on the air, but sometimes that little bit of information and somebody might think, oh, it's really not that important. But sometimes that can push your guys investigation over over the edge to, to a possible suspect. Even multiple tips. We get multiple tips on the same person. That doesn't mean that's the person. A lot of people might hear us talking about that. We've got multiple tips on one subject. That doesn't mean that's the subject. So if you're thinking, well, they've got multiple tips on Joe Do- John Doe, I'm not going to tip on this person, but I believe it might be him. Well, don't do that. If you believe whatever you believe, why ever you believe that, you need to call that tip in. Um, because that that's, might be the piece of the puzzle that we're missing that we need to put everything else together. And I do believe, I mean, I, I, I don't want to, you probably already, somebody probably already said it, but the reward's up to 239,000 some odd dollars. Um, you know, and it, 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 if you're waiting for that to go higher, well, that's a stupid reason to wait. I don't think it's going to get much higher. And if it does, you know, you shouldn't be waiting for that to call in this tip. Uh, if, if it's a family member and you're afraid to tip on them, then we have the anonymous tip. But this person's evil. This person is a monster. This could happen again. So if you're holding that information for whatever reason, you need to think, think of that. This could happen to your niece, daughter, cousin, sister. This could happen again. And we, that's one of the main reasons I lose a lot of sleep. Because I don't want this to happen again. You know, folks, again, realize this interview was in April of 2017, two months after the murders. I mean, what the investigative techniques and the investigative tenacity that they had two months after the murder, I don't think waned. I think they stayed on this. I think they were so driven by the goal of catching the personal persons who did this, that, I mean, it's a real credit to law enforcement. And I, I mean, the sergeant deserves all kinds of kudos. And I think somebody out there has the tip that, that is that final piece of the puzzle and, and they're waiting for whatever reason. We don't want them to wait. They need to call that in as soon as possible and give us all information about who you believe did this. And I would get on my knees and beg that person to do that. Um, I would plead with them to call that tip in and, and give that information. And if for some reason you can't get through the hotline, go to your local police station personally and tell them how important this is. And they will get they will contact us and we will get somebody to take that tip. Back on day one, what was your, you know, when you heard this had happened? Guys, amazing. I mean, when you think about that, uh, that was the sergeant um, who was in charge, is is in charge of this investigation. Just totally incredible. I want to say one of the, the title of this this um, this stream today was the toll that an investigation like this takes upon the investigators. Now, I don't. I know that might not be the number one thing that real crime audiences think about. But just think about this. This case 
the murder of two little girls, 13 and 14 years old, in a community, a close-knit community called Delphi, a community where things like this just do not happen. What toll do you think this takes on investigators? And especially for the fact that this is, it lasted for five and a half years and it, it's not over. The investigators still have to present the very best case that they can. And there could be multiple perpetrators. There could be more. You know, the, I just, you know, we talk about PTSD in law enforcement and bringing things home from your job. And I noticed uh, right from the, um, from the superintendent, uh, Doug Carter, um, he was very spiritual. He was very spiritual in the way that he reported on this case, both from like the first year press conference till the press conference when there was an arrest. There was something so spiritual about it. And some folks that listen to real crime, obviously they don't want to hear that you relied on God to solve this case. But there is a spiritual element to this because anyone that's ever investigated murder realizes that is the worst thing one human being can do to another. And there's no explanation for it. So to explain that to yourself as a human being who has a job to do, it's not very easy to do. And Tuanda Sioux, California, so scary to have evil right in the community pretending to be a good citizen. Nicole, why? I can't believe this is his first attack either. It's um, potentially not. You know, there's, there's a lot more to this investigation that uh, has to be covered. A lot more that we don't know. A lot more that the police have not released. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. If you like this podcast, uh, Real Crime Stories from a Police Perspective, go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and ring that bell. And if you want to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels, and we have uh, a bunch of folks that support us. And we also have a YouTube channel memberships with count them, five different levels. And we have um, a, a whole YouTube family. And you can see the folks in the chat in the green font. They're part of our YouTube family. Um, now, I was talking about when we talk about the investigation, and I say it all the time when I report on investigation, investigation is both an art and the science. And when you marry the art of investigation with the science of investigation, it's a real tough, tough thing to beat. You know, uh, the long arm of the law, you hear all about that because science, I, you know that science is coming into play in this case. Uh, Doug Carter hasn't released it. He said something the other day that we can't talk about the science in this investigation. They haven't talked much about uh, the art either. And that's, I think that's to their credit. However, I believe that the press at some point is going to get, um, get the police and they're going to get the information, the freedom of information. Um, they're going to get, they're going to get a lot of the information that, that wasn't forthcoming yet. So, um, 
I, I was going to play something else in this case. Um, so because they're going to file a freedom of information law um, request and um, and they're going to get a lot of the information that the, um, uh, that the police don't want to give out right now. However, they can't hold it forever because by law, uh, you have to be transparent with the press. You may believe it or not believe it, but that's part of our system. And the crime that changed everything. And they beat a monster. 13-year-old Abigail Williams and Liberty German were reported missing. He smiled all the time. Libby made people feel good. I'm going to find who did this. Our community is going through a lot of this with us. And we pray that today's day. Let's find this guy. Now on RTV6 News Special, Delphi Daughters, the untold story of Abby and Libby. This is the old Mordon High Bridge along the trails in Delphi. It's here that Abigail Abby Williams and Liberty Libby German played, laughed, explored, made memories. They were in this area on the day they went missing and later found murdered. The killer is still on the loose. Someone out there knows something about this. Yeah. What do you say to that somebody? pray every day that we'll have peace someday. We just ask that people just follow that instinct, that gut, even if you just have a suspicion. Just, just call it in. Abby and Libby did a lot together. Both girls loved music. They played the alto saxophone in their middle school band. Both loved photography and painting. The girls were set to play softball. Both shared a special friendship. It was Libby who managed to take a cell phone picture of a strange man on the bridge. He's the prime suspect. They didn't leave each other's side. I don't know what happened out there that day. Was there was a chance or an opportunity for one to break off or split or make a break for it or whatever. But, you know, I look at it as, you know, two young soldiers that stuck, you know, covered each other's back. Two best friends, you know, I wouldn't leave my best friend's side, you know, and neither did they. There are no limits. Police are still looking for pieces of information. Billboards continue to alert people coast to coast not to forget the teenage girls. As people here remember the day, there was a call for a search. Over 100 people out searching the area last night, walking both sides of the creek bank. In Carroll County, police are set to regroup and restart the search for two missing girls. Together, okay? That way we cover more property, quicker time. 21, copter 5. 
We have found uh, two bodies. We are investigating this as, as a uh, crime scene. Uh, we suspect foul play. State police and the FBI have been on the scene now for several hours. A number of units and teams have been here trying to gather information. Bodies are of, uh, have been positive identified as Abigail J. Williams, 13, of the Delphi area, and Liberty Rose Lynn German, 14, of the Delphi area. This is considered a double homicide investigation. The two girls discovered in the woods, authorities asking for your help tonight. Their last Snapchat and the image of a man authorities would like to talk to. And they now have enough evidence to call him the prime suspect. We do have some new information for you today. Liberty had the presence of mind uh, to turn on her video camera, but there's enough there that somebody could recognize this person's voice. And if you're watching, we'll find you. There have been more than 11,000 tips come in to our command center. If somebody knows something, somebody has to know this person, recognize that voice. It's not easy, and a lot of people are putting a lot of work into this, and we're hoping that um, the tip's there, and we're going to find it. Right now, a tip hotline is open for you to take action. You can be anonymous. The number to call, 844-459-5786. With every sunrise, the families of the girls killed wonder if the new day will bring news of an arrest. Waiting for justice for Delphi's daughters. Aiming to master his shot, Mike Patty knows precision and practice pay off during deer hunting season. This area down through here is some of the best hunting area that, that I have. Well, you can see the, the hooves, the cloved hooves going in. This deer's heading that way. The children and his family, including Libby, were fascinated by the deer tracks. Folks, as you could see, I mean, the whole community in this uh, Delphi community was is, is, was and is involved in this case. Um, it's, you know, we, after 9-11, that, that term and came around and it's probably spread to every place in the world. And that's, if you see something, say something. Well, people have definitely seen things. Uh, I believe at the five and a half year point, and I could be wrong about this. I think they had over 30,000 tips. Every tip in any investigation has to be followed through on, has to be investigated. Um, and what does that lead to? Uh, a tip leads to answers. And when someone is giving you information, a good investigator has questions. So information leads to more questions and more answers and more questions. And you can quickly determine whether the tip is good or at some point, whether you close the tip out and the tip uh, didn't generate what the investigator felt was uh, was pertinent information. Um, there always has to be, you know, every major investigation has oversight. And you could see there's bosses. I introduced the sergeant to you before who was running the investigation, uh, Sergeant Jerry Holman. But he also has bosses that look over him. 
And then, of course, there's the case folder. And then on the screen, there's the superintendent, Doug Carter, who is a very, I mentioned, a very spiritual man. Uh, some folks don't um, agree with that, that uh, oh, spirituality doesn't belong in investigation. No, it does. It does. If that helps the investigators work the case, if that helps them um, psychologically deal with the trauma they're going through involving the case, then it absolutely 100% belongs in there. And of course, there's folks that uh, anything of a religious nature, they don't, uh, they don't want to hear about, but uh, that's, that's too bad. They're not investigating murders. And um, the folks that do, many of them are very, very spiritual and they, they need, um, they need to, to rely on some of that to, to, to get through this, you know, and the human element to this is so unbelievable. And when you talk about the community, how, how do you think the Delphi community has dealt with this case? They've helped out tremendously. And they feel these Libby and Abby are anyone's daughters and everyone's daughters. So everyone in this community and, and across the world, all good people, feel the pain of this case and and want so much for the monster that did this to be held accountable. And it, it's something that we in law enforcement, the day that you can put handcuffs on a dirtbag like this guy that, that, that murdered these two young girls, that's, that's what it's all about. And that's what we all, that's what we work for. Uh, I want to play a little bit of the recent uh, press conference so you can see some of the spirituality of what, what I'm talking about. Before we get started, I'm going to introduce you to our speakers, Superintendent. So, guys. Uh, the Indiana State Police, okay. Doug Carter, the Carroll County Sheriff, Tobe Lesby and the Carroll County Prosecutor, Nick McClellan. I'd like to remind everyone that this continues to be an active and ongoing investigation. At the conclusion of this press conference, we are going to answer a limited amount of questions out of respect to the investigation and the process that will follow today. We will not discuss evidence as related to this investigation. On behalf of the Delphi Double Homicide Task Force, thank you all for your continued support I would now like to introduce to you our first speaker, Superintendent of the Indiana State Police, Doug Carter. Give me just a second here. <clears throat> I think the uh, superintendent had the uh, had a cold or something. I don't think it was that he was. Uh... Emotional. I think he had a, a bad cold and he's sniffing, sniffling. Some do I have prepared remarks, but today is different because I do not want to be, there to be any confusion or ambiguity with what I will say. Today is not a day to celebrate. 
but the arrest of Richard M. Allen of Delphi on two counts of murder is sure a major step in leading to a conclusion of this long-term and complex investigation. First, I'd like to speak directly to Anna, Mike, Becky, Kelsey, your extended families, along with the entire Delphi community that certainly has grown and now includes our nation and even many countries around the world. I am proud to report to you that today, actually last Friday, was the day. And an arrest has been made. Thanks to literally hundreds of media outlets that have been steadfast in reporting and keeping the memories of Abby and Libby front and center. Many of you in the room developed relationships with me personally and you know I always have a personal perspective and today's no different but from a very personal perspective you have provided you all have provided inspiration and support even while oftentimes frustrated with us and me you continue incur but you continue to encourage the efforts and you too believe that one day we would all be here participating and sharing this news to the entire law enforcement community, which includes all local, state, and federal agencies, which are far too many to specifically mention today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We are going to continue a very methodical and committed approach to ensure that if any other person had any involvement in these murders in any way, that person or persons will be held accountable. Since the murders of Abby and Libby 2,086 days ago, the daily investigative team has worked tirelessly and is certainly worthy of mention today. Specifically, Sheriff Lindsenby, Sheriff of Carroll County, Detectives Tony Liggett, Detective retired Kevin Hammond, former Delphi Chief and now the Prosecutor's Investigator Steve Mullins, State Police First Sergeant Jerry Holman, Detective Jay Harper, Dave Vito, and Brian Harshman, along with members of the United States Marshal Service, specifically Agent Jeremy Clinton and Agent Bill Culpers. With them today is Dan McClain, U.S. Marshal, appointed U.S. Marshal. Our state police analyst, our scientist from many different disciplines within our laboratory division, Mrs. Kathy Shank, for your incredible dedication to detail and to so many others that I know I've missed. I really believe that Abby and Libby would be proud of you for standing strong, even in the face of immense pressure and perpetual criticism. Some of these individuals have postponed retirement, passed on promotional opportunity, have dedicated personal time away from their families, given up nights, weekends, and holidays, all while in the pursuit of accountability 
for having living. I know that today's announcement will not diminish your resolve, and I hope you have found just a bit of peace in this most complicated world. This is really important. While I know you are all expecting final details today concerning this arrest, today is not that day. Today is not that day. This investigation is far from complete and we will not jeopardize its integrity by releasing or discussing documents or information before the appropriate time. Prosecutor Nick McLeod, of course, will share additional information about what we can and cannot say and also explain to you why the probable cause affidavit is temporarily sealed by the court and not available. And by the way, he has been a tremendous, tremendous asset to this team. I'm yet again asking you for your patience and please your understanding while our system of due process works. Also remember that all persons arrested are presumed innocent. All persons arrested are You know, guys, I just want to say I think this chief is like uh, is is the best. The guy is uh, unwavering. He knows his job. He's a strong figure. Um, he knows when to speak to the press. He knows when to hold back. And his main thing is to uh, protect this investigation and protect this case because it's easy to screw up the case now. They arrested someone now. They arrested this guy, Richard Allen. What do we know about Richard Allen? Not that much. You know, he worked in a drugstore. Uh, he's married. He has some a, a kid or kids. We don't know a hell of a lot about him. That's going to be forthcoming. It's just, as the chief said, today is not the day. Today was not the day they were going to give you that information. Um, just realize, though, in five and a half years, they looked under every rock. They used the art of investigation. They used the science of investigation. They enlisted the FBI. They enlisted um, uh, the fugitive enforcement. They took tips from all over the country and followed those tips up. So other law enforcement agencies were involved in doing interviews in other parts of the country since they're not going they're not going to go uh, send their detectives to, you know, Oshkosh. And, and I don't mean to put down if there is a real city called Oshkosh. But law enforcement cooperates. You know, I always use my hands to explain an investigation. I'm like spreading my arms as wide as they can go. Starts way out there. And as you become more focused and get more information, the investigation starts Boom. And where you get enough information and probable cause and evidence and the science, the evidence of science. The FBI has the toys that all law enforcement wants, but maybe can't afford. The FBI's on. They have databases. They have computer systems. They have the ability to process evidence at Quantico that most small police departments, most all police departments, 
don't have that ability. So they enlist the FBI. You know, in homicide investigations, the worst of humanity comes through in regards to the, the killer. But the best of humanity comes together in trying to solve these cases. The best of law enforcement, the best of the community, the support of people, of supporting the families of people that have been murdered. Um, keeping the case front and center. That, believe it or not, is also part of the press. The press is involved in that. And the press can really help law enforcement as well as they can hurt law enforcement too if they release things out into the public domain that law enforcement doesn't want released. But you see, law enforcement was very close to the vest in this case. They weren't releasing anything that they felt could hurt, hurt this case. Um, one of the things the chief said in this press conference, which I thought was tremendous, he says, we cannot allow evil to prevail. And by that, he meant there's the uh, mugshot of Richard Allen. We cannot allow evil to prevail because the two girls on the right are the best of humanity. And if, in fact, Richard Allen is guilty, he is the worst we know. But again, you know, it's always repeated over and over again. Each defendant is innocent till proven guilty. All right. But the chief referred to it or the um, superintendent, Doug Carter, that we see the worst of humanity and we see the best of humanity in these cases. And five and a half years is one hell of a long time to have a case like this open. Uh, just, just unbelievable. And all the different facts and all the different circumstances in this case, the gamut of investigators, of investigation, the talent, the best, the best of investigators we need to help out in this case and still need them to help out in this case because this case is not done. Just because there's been an arrest does not mean that th this case is over with. The day before Valentine's Day, a day that would leave two families mourning, a community frightened and investigators puzzled for years to come. It was on that cold Monday that 13-year-old Abigail Williams and 14-year-old Liberty German went to the Monon High Bridge in Delphi. The young teen girls had the day off from school. They were dropped off, then disappeared. A search would discover their tragic end the next day. Their bodies discovered in a wooded area, not far from that bridge, along the banks of Deer Creek. What we would all soon learn is that Libby, in those terrifying moments, captured evidence that would help police in the search for the killer. On February 15, 2017, police released cell phone images from Libby's phone showing a suspect in the case coming across the bridge toward the girls. A week later, police released audio from Libby's phone. As 13 News reported on the case, we spoke with Ronald Logan, the man who lives at the property where the girls were found. Has this gotten to you? Has this played on your mind? Yeah. The longer it goes, yes, it does. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, I'm not sure I fully comprehend 
one of those happen yet. <laughs> Two young kids playing, you know, thinking they're having a wonderful day, Valentine's Day, and ends up in one of the largest tragedies in Carroll County history. In your backyard. In my backyard. Yeah, it's a, it's a big thought. Okay. Not a good one. Turns out the FBI was also talking to Logan. An agent at the time noted that Logan's voice was not inconsistent with that of the voice captured on German's phone. The FBI notes an interview with Logan's relative in which the relative tells the agent that Logan called them the morning of February 14th, 2017, and asked them to lie about where he had been the previous afternoon. That was before the bodies of the girls were found. 13 News was there as Logan's home was searched. More than a dozen investigators worked for hours searching Ron Logan's home, his garage, barns and property. They are looking for clues to whether Logan is connected to the murders. Basically, we're trying to either clear him or look at him even harder. That's what we're trying to do here. Abby Williams and Libby German were found murdered on Logan's property. Days later, he walked us to the secluded crime scene, appearing shaken by what occurred here. I can't really wrap my emotions around it. It's just so mind boggling. Later, when someone used social media claiming Logan resembles investigators' prime suspect, the 77-year-old was understandably angry. I was cleared by the authorities ages ago. Since then, investigators received new leads and found new information, prompting the search and putting new attention on Logan. You know, folks, I just want to say that an investigation has all kinds of stops and starts has all kinds of direction, misdirection, changing direction. Uh, sometimes you have to start over. And that is when investigators pull their hair out. What do you mean we have to start over? We're going in the wrong direction. And when it takes a lot of courage for an investigator and an investigator boss to say, you know something, we got to start all over because we're not, let's put all our heads together and we're going to have to change direction. In five and a half years, how many stops and starts do you think there were in this case? How many changes of direction? How many leads that turned out to be, you know, a, a, a dead end? How many scientific pieces of evidence were thought to be a smoking gun and then turned out to be nothing? I guarantee when we find out how they obtain the probable cause, some of it is going to be from scientific evidence. And uh, th that I promise you. As we have gone into the investigation and have talked to other people, uh, things are just not adding up and we're just trying to get things added up. Police arrested Logan earlier this week on a probation violation. He has numerous drunk driving convictions. He's being held without bond. Investigators searched with the help of a canine. They carried away armloads of potential evidence and seized Logan's truck. Police, though, warned against rushing to any conclusions. This is part of the investigation. This is not our first search warrant. We've, we've done several others other than this residence. Uh, we've done some uh, polygraphs. We've done all kinds of things uh, to other people. Inciting reasons for the search. Folks, I just want to say also, as well as um, investigation is to include someone, as the suspect, it, you also must exclude. Get evidence that excludes people so you can eliminate them. That is as important during the whole term of the investigation 
as including. Search warrant. The FBI agent noted that pieces of clothing from one of the victims were missing and that it appeared the girls' bodies were moved and staged. There were no visible signs of a struggle or fight. Investigators recovered fibers and unidentified hairs at the crime scene. The agent also suspected a souvenir had been taken by the killer and that it was common for perpetrators to memorialize the crime scene with pictures. It's not clear if anything was found in Logan's home, but he was never arrested before he died in 2020. On July 17th of 2017, police released their first sketch of the suspect. They had received thousands of tips and were working through them. But as the months passed and years passed, this case went quiet. That was until April 2019. That's when a new sketch of the suspect was released and additional audio of the suspected killer from Libby's phone emerged. Again, tips came flooding in. The families of the girls and that community in Delphi were hopeful it would finally lead to a break in the case. But again, days turned to weeks, weeks to months, and months into years with no arrest and sadly no answers. Then, you know, folks, when I spoke about uh, one of the girls was missing an article of clothing, it's very common for a murderer to take what they called it a souvenir. They refer to it in homicide lingo as a trophy. And the sickness of a murderer is that he will relive that moment of, of the murder by pulling out the article of clothing or whatever it might be. And that's known in the homicide, uh, in the homicide field as a trophy. They called it a souvenir or whatever, but it's known as a trophy. It's very common with serial killers. They also said that the bodies were staged. The crime scene was staged. Um, that's the sign of, uh, of a site of a sick murderer. And that's, you know, they're not talking about the crime scene much um, in regards uh, to the arrest of, um, of Richard Allen. But we, we learned something uh, through, through the totality of this investigation. Nearly five years after the murders on December 6th of 2021, police asked who had communicated with the social media account of the name Anthony Schatz. A flurry of activity took place then. The images in the accounts were those of a male model. The account itself belonged to a man from Miami County. He lived just over 30 minutes from Delphi. Police said Keegan Klein admitted to creating the account to solicit nude images from underage girls. Tell me about Anthony Schatz. Why did you create that profile? I don't, I don't really know. I was just lonely, you know what I mean? Just talking to people, I don't know why I did it. But Klein said he was not trying to meet any of those girls in real life. Klein also said that police told him his Anthony Schatz account was the last to communicate with German before her murder. Turns out, Police had served a search warrant on Klein's home in 2017, just days after the girls' bodies were found. It was for a child exploitation and child pornography case. And so, do, do you, are you aware whether you may have talked to Libby on the 13th? That's what they said, and that's what the police told me. That you did? Yeah. And do you have any recollection of that? No. Not at all. I've told them a hundred times I've done everything they wanted me to, and it's like they're just harassing me. 
Klein was charged August 29th, 2020, yeah, 30 counts, including child exploitation, possession of child pornography, and obstruction of justice. He allegedly told investigators he would talk to girls using the Anthony Schatz account, even if they were under 16. He claimed to have received photos from all of the girls he chatted with. Investigators seized six devices from Klein, including smartphones, a tablet, and an iPod touch. Police found sexual images of girls. Some appeared to be only 14 years old. And after being interviewed by police, Klein returned home. He later told police he found another phone and turned it over to them. Police said an examination showed someone had uninstalled and deleted Snapchat, Instagram, and Meet Me. The browser's search history had also been deleted before the phone was turned into authorities after several continuances his jury trial was set for September of 2022 in the child pornography case. Klein has not been charged in the Delphi murders. He has not even been named a suspect. And so the families of Libby German and Abby Williams wait for answers. Five years. That's 1,825 days that have passed since the bodies of Abby Williams and Libby German were found in the woods near Delphi. They probably had you. That's 43,800 hours. The people who loved them have had to wonder who the man is in this video. The man investigators say killed the girls and where he's at now. I don't think anybody thought we'd be here um, at the spot at the five year mark with an unsolved case. But that's where they are, despite thousands of tips, along with video and audio of the killer. Libby captured on her cell phone as the girls hiked on the Monon High Bridge Trail. Not to mention two different sketches released two years apart. I think what eventually what we'll be able to do is, is put the face of the murderer up in between those two sketches and we'll be able to merge them together and, and, and become one. Indiana State Police Superintendent Doug Carter says he personally gets 25 to 30 tips a week that he forwards to investigators. Carter can't give a definitive timeline as to when the girls' families or the public will have answers or the justice they... What's important to me on the five-year anniversary is that people know that we're continuing to full speed ahead. It's frustrating. We all thought we would have answers five years ago, but we also know that law enforcement is doing absolutely everything they can and putting all of their time and effort into the case, and they want answers just as much as we do. Both families have a mantra they've said since the beginning. And today's the day. Five years later, those words don't always come out as easily as they used to. I mean, some days it's really hard, but yeah, we still keep positive that today could be the day and tomorrow could be the day and any day. Uh, we just have to, we just have to keep being hopeful on that and have faith that it will be one day. I know my grandparents say it every day, um, but for me, it's something that I say to reassure myself when I'm feeling frustrated, when I'm feeling like no answers are coming um, and I'm feeling defeated. I I say that. I say today is the day it's coming. It'll get here. The question remains, when? The community continues to rally in memory of the girls. A ballpark was built and dedicated in their names. Benefit rides are held to remember the girls and help with the upkeep of the park. And tips continue to come into police. Each one investigated and another chance at solving the murders of two young girls. So, guys, uh, the one of the things, uh, folks, you, people are asking questions. 
Just remember, there is no statue of limitations for murder. That's why you see people arrested 30 years later, 35 years later, based on these uh, genealogy hits. Uh, I'm I'm betting that, as I said, science is going to come into play big time in this case. And uh, someone in the chat said genetic genealogy. I happen to agree. There's something called familial DNA. And they can get the DNA of a family member that's awfully close to the perpetrator. And then that's how they build a genealogy tree. I would not be surprised that I don't have any inside information that that's the case. But I would not be surprised that in this case, uh, that comes into play, genetic genealogy. Uh, one of the interesting things um, that, uh, that uh, Superintendent Carter said was that he would not let evil uh, act as a standard bearer in this community. And he would see to it that evil was defeated. And I think that, you know, that some of the things when I talk about, you know, uh, the spirituality of, uh, of homicide investigation, there's the Sergeant, um, Sergeant Jerry Holman, who is uh, one of the lead investigators in this case. And, just, I cannot imagine, I've worked high-profile homicide cases. I cannot imagine a case like lasting for five and a half years. And it's not over. It's not over. This case could take even uh, another year or more to prosecute. Um, and as evidence comes in, there could be other suspects, other perpetrators, one of the things that many people ask is, is it a possibility that his family members knew he was the person in the video? I think absolutely. If you know someone and you know how their voice sounds, you know their gait, you know how they move, guaranteed someone in his family knew that that was him. And if that's the case and they didn't report it, I think that's horrendous, you know, uh, because I think that, you know, you see these two little girls on, on the uh, on the screen, 13 and 14, five and a half years later, obviously one would have been 18, the other 19. They never got to do all the things that growing up and going through the different ages, 15, 16, going to your, your, your junior prom, going to your senior prom, learning how to drive a car. Um, applying to college, you know, going to college your first year, uh, they never got to do these things because they were murdered. Just absolutely horrendous. Um, you know, the chief or uh, the superintendent, Doug Carter, also said he would ask people not to compare um, the pictures of the perpetrator on the internet with anyone else. And uh, specifically, he was referring to the recording from um, from the phone to not compare that doesn't help them doesn't help the investigators um, we know that the the case is is not over it's um, there could be there could be several more perpetrators uh, family members could be involved we don't know um, 
you know, detectives have, have given their life to this case. They they mentioned the sergeant mentioned they canceled vacations, um, they canceled retirement, they canceled holidays, they canceled time away with their family. So just think of all the things that they gave up to to work this case. Uh, Algo, I'm talking about family members of the perpetrator could have been involved in this case or in covering up this case. I'm sorry if I wasn't clear. Um, that'll be part of the investigation. All the other potential pieces to this case, well, they will not stop. Um, think of the video, the sketch, uh, and no one from this perpetrator's family has reported him that we know of, that we know of. You know, we hear in, in New York, it's a famous saying, if you see something, say something. And that's the most powerful thing. Eyewitness testimony is one of the most powerful pieces of evidence. And in this case, uh, no one was calling in. Uh, I shouldn't say no one. They've got tips. We don't know if the tips led to the perpetrator, but we know right now someone's arrested, right? What was the information they received? What was the probable cause they received that allowed them to make an arrest in this case? Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. If you like real crime from a police perspective, then you're in the right place. Go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell, and give us a thumbs up. If you want to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels, and we also have a YouTube channel memberships with count them, five different levels. Uh, you know, there's been some new information also that the judge in this case is not feeling too safe. You got to remember, Delphi is a small little town, not used to these major crime cases. So let me play a little bit of this and see what the judge, in fact, is reporting in this little town. Tonight in the Delphi murder investigation. This afternoon, we learned of a request to move the suspect to a state prison. The court says it's for Richard Allen's safekeeping as he waits to go on trial. That request claims he is now in imminent danger of getting seriously hurt or killed. In fact, Allen wore body armor at his initial hearing. And that's not all. Karen Campbell has a look at the judge's concerns for his own family as the case makes its way through the court system. Karen. Well, in this court order, Carroll County Circuit Court Judge Benjamin Diener says he and his family don't feel safe. Now, Diener also says some members of the public are dragging his family into this sharing content about his family on YouTube, including photos. Now, he says he's constantly getting requests for, quote, public information in this case against Richard Allen. Now, the judge goes on to write, quote, the public's bloodlust for information before it exists is extremely dangerous. All public servants administering this action do not feel safe and are not protected. He explains the court has 30 days to rule on any motion, but that he was given seven days or one day when hand-delivered to respond to a FOIA request or face litigation. He says all public information in this case will be available once it exists. Now, just a reminder, a FOIA request is simply a freedom of information request by media or the public for information that is supposed to be public. And just Diener says Richard Allen is innocent until 
proven guilty. And Felicia, and this just in, now a member of the German family tweeted that they would like to keep the court documents sealed. Now we know that later this month there is an upcoming public hearing where the judge is going to, to decide if, you know, those court records will stay sealed or if they will be released. We start with that breaking news tonight in the Delta. So, folks, you understand um, the media has attorneys and they'll file a freedom of, it's called FOIL, a freedom of information law. They'll file a, uh, a court document, a legal document that forces the police department to release some of the documentation that the police department would like to remain secret. Um, but they, they can't keep it secret forever. Um, so it's, um, it, 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 as I said, they can't keep it secret forever and they're going to have to, uh, release it at one of these, one of these points. You know, folks, we're going to follow this case all the way through. I mean, it's, it's very, it's a very interesting case. Um, it's been, it's been followed on social media right from the beginning. Uh, I don't know if, um, I don't know if all of it was 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 true. All the information put on social media, there was so much attention. As you saw, the judge said, "There's like a bloodlust. There's like a bloodlust for information from the public, you know, and the information that they want to keep secret is evidentiary information that could hurt the case." And the media could say, well, that's not true. We, we're entitled to that information. And um, that's why there's courts. And that's why it'll be decided whether they get that information or not. I'm going to just play a little bit of the, uh, the uh, this was after one year. Um, and this was Superintendent Carter uh, talking about this case after one year. Well, first of all, um, welcome. I didn't really know what to expect when I stood on this trail just a little bit ago, over the course of the last 15 minutes, but... Um, huh. Very uncomfortable feeling. Uh, we're a year in, a year today. Um, I would be remiss to not talk about the people that have made... Um, made this whole for the first year without an arrest. We talked about a Sheriff Linsenby who, st who stands behind me to, to, to the left and, and Kevin Hammond, uh, Mike Peasley with the FBI, um, Jerry Holman over my right shoulder, uh, Steve Buckley, um, the new prosecutor, Nick McClellan here in Carroll County. What I've seen over this course of the last years are, are, are memories and times and, and comments and things that will stand with me and live with me for the rest of my life. The very best of humanity uh, in the very worst of times. I was able to see uh, from afar this community in Carroll County and the city of Delphi come together and support not only the not only um, a law enforcement, the people that were here that have given so much of their lives to this case, but but also to the families. And I just wanted to say I am forever humbled. I don't know what you expected today, but I came 
to plead and implore you to keep this out front and center. I said before, and I, I'm confident I'll say again, I hope that one day when we all meet Abby and Libby that they tell us you did well. That's my hope. We cannot allow, we cannot allow evil to prevail. Our world is completely out of balance and we cannot allow that to prevail. I've said all along that we as an agency will be here as long as I'm breathing and as long as Governor Holcomb allows me to continue to stay in the position that I hold. I have the opportunity to brief him, for, brief him regularly. This isn't about how many hours we spend. It's not about how much it costs. It's about every single asset that the ISP has we'll give to this sheriff, this community, and to each and every one of you because I refuse to accept evil as a standard bearer in American society, not here. People have oftentimes asked me, why is this so personal to you? It's personal to me because those two young girls were everybody's daughter. In this beautiful place that represents the very best of humanity. And look what happened. That's why it, it, it's very personal to me. And I just hope that one day I can look into the eyes of a murderer and ask him why. And I believe that we will. I, I believe that I believe that we will. I know you have a bunch of questions for me, but please understand if the question has to do with the investigative process, tactics associated with the investigation, what only the killer would know that we know, I can't answer your question. I just ask you to, to ask for you to please understand that um, when, when we open this up. Many people have said, did you think it'd be a year? I don't know. I, I don't know. How, how do you answer that question? I believe we're one piece of the puzzle away from figuring out who this individual is. Then the real work begins. Over 30,000 tips. Thank heavens the FBI was engaged with us, with the Orion system and the expertise that the FBI brought from all over the country to allow us to manage that kind of data. We've had inquiries and requests for discussion from agencies all over the country, not only because this is such a high profile case, but because of the complexities associated with the time since we found their bodies a year ago, a year ago tomorrow. As I close my comments to you, I wanna say thank you. Um, I've had the pleasure of having relationships with our local media and our statewide media and even our national media for more than 30 years. I appreciate our partnership. I appreciate our partnership. I've had the opportunity to, to travel to the East Coast and the West Coast with Mike and Becky and the families to, to continue to perpetuate this message if somebody out there knows who this individual is. None of that's possible without you. It's really, really important that you understand how important and what the, the importance of the role is that you play. Technology is wonderful, but technolo technology can also challenge us. I would ask that folks not continue to compare photographs on the internet. Please, if you have an idea of an individual, of a comment, of a phrase, of a name that you send it to us, it creates lots of complications when that analysis is done outside of the purview of the experts that I happen to be able to represent there standing behind me today.
So I hope you hear me loud and clear. If you're watching this and you're responsible, today may be your day. It might be tomorrow, but I can guarantee you, your day's coming. We've got to perpetuate the relationship that we have and we've got to not stop. Ladies and gentlemen, I've seen detectives that have given their lives to this case, that have held off and discussed holding off, holding off retirement, that have canceled family vacations, that work nights, weekends, and holidays so that we can explain to you one day and to this incredible community and to our state what happened. Folks, that was after one year. Could you imagine the uh, amount of evidence and the amount of work they did? 30,000 tips in one year. Just totally incredible. Folks, that's all we have today. This is um, Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. As we get new information in this case, we will report it to you. I want to thank everyone for coming by today and listening. Have a great day. And God bless. One episode, just saying enough.